What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the ninth episode of How They're Here. As always, I'm Tyler Webb, and last week I was able to have a phenomenal conversation with the founder and CEO of Skyline Specs, Scott Ballard. Scott and I were firing on all the same cylinders, from being students, to studying entrepreneurship, to starting a side hustle or two in school, to growing accounts with tens of thousands of followers, to freelancing our social media work. We had a ton in common, which made for a great conversation and an even better podcast episode. Scott founded Skyline Specs as a class project, but now his custom-engraved, wooden-framed sunglasses can be seen representing nearly every major city across the country. Scott is using the power of social media influencers, the Mall of America, and an unabashed salesmanship to grow this business podcast by podcast. I would recommend you stick around for the full episode this week. I mean, I think it's in your best interest to listen to the full episode every week. But this week in particular, because Scott and I get into some really interesting territory about buying Instagram accounts, leveraging 60,000 plus followings, selling through Instagram, and the reason behind making sunglasses, and how he finds his creative and entrepreneurial passions. I hope you all enjoy this episode and learn a thing or two about how to become a better business person, influencer, or creator, and gain some valuable insight into how they're here. All right, so we are back. I am recording an episode now with Scott Ballard, who is currently a student, a, uh, a senior at St. Thomas University up here in Minnesota, and also the founder of Skyline Specs, which is a sunglasses company that he started, and we're going to get into the whole story of it. But first off, Scott, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much, Tyler. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So I found myself doing this uh, a couple times over some episodes, and I think it gives a really good um, bit of context for the people who are listening about you know what your business is about. Um, yeah. So give Give me a little 30-second to a minute elevator pitch about Skyline Specs so we can kind of get the ball rolling on uh, how you started your company. Cool. So uh, we started as a class project, and our goal was to connect people to their community through our products. Um, We took a unique angle to this by engraving major city skylines onto the side of our premium polarized shades. So we do shades, we do all kinds of accessories, and our whole why is just about connecting people to their city where they're from, but also kind of keeping that sense of individualism that is built around their experience with that city or place. Fantastic. So we'll jump into that and kind of unpack that whole thing. But I think a really interesting aspect to who you are as a person is that you're still a student um, at St. Thomas, like I said, studying entrepreneurship. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things within that that I think are interesting. The first, obviously, being the fact that you're a student. I think we have a lot in, in similarity just by the nature of, you know, you starting this this business while you're in school and continuing it on while you're a student. Right, Similar, you know, obviously to a far lesser extent with the podcast that, you know, it's something I'm doing while I'm in school. What made you, and obviously you said it was for a class project, but what made you want to keep going with Skyline Specs while you're in school? Because I think, you know, for somebody that's a student and wants to dedicate themselves to their studies, you could just kind of punt it down the road or just have forgotten about it. What, you know, kept you going in this business endeavor and and really turning it into something just past a class project? Yeah. So um, I'd say it kind of backtracks to um, my family's involvement in business. So um, my grandparents came from small town of Jordan and they actually owned a ice cream shop, the funeral home and a furniture store in the same town. So interesting combo. Sure. Small business um, connections early on. Um, My dad owned a heating, ventilation, and air conditioning business, so I kind of grew up around that. Um, I spent my summers mowing lawns there, cleaning kind of the, I don't know, specialized all-purpose janitor. Right. In Just a kind of doing yeah. all the grunt work. Just yeah, everything pretty much. Wanted so, to do. Sure. Yeah, I kind of grew up around it. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, so we started as a class project. Did pretty well. Um, it was So it's a competition. You get into teams. You come up with a brand, you go out, sell, come back at the end of the semester, and then you are kind of pitching what happened to alumni. So um, we actually pitched to one of the founders of Great Lakes, uh, David, for our like final. Um, from there, we just I kind of decided to keep moving it forward into the summer. Um, I still had a lot of inventory, so that I guess was a factor in that there was there was product to sell. I didn't want to just end it there. Um, kept having success with it and kind of just really loved the process of building a business, trying to create something. So I've just kept with it ever since. Sure. And that's very cool that you said that you pitched 
to David because we, I don't know if you knew, but we interviewed his business mm-hmm. partner, Spencer, um, on the podcast. And it's cool because uh, I have something sc- scheduled to, to interview Jay. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. starts with an L, Addiction U. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm interviewing him next week and kind of just found him through the same circle, That's through awesome. that sort of St. Thomas entrepreneurial circle, which seems to extend quite far as I start digging into it a little bit. Um, and that segues me pretty nicely into the next question, which is, and I was posed this question when I was on a podcast earlier, um, earlier this year, which was, you know, why go to school to study entrepreneurship? Because I'm here at the Carlson School of Management studying entrepreneurship and marketing myself. Um, And I was, I was posed the question, you know, what's the point? Because I think the idea that a lot of people have about entrepreneurship is you're doing it to sort of break that traditional mold. You know, you're doing it so you don't have to sit at a desk job doing finance or accounting or marketing or whatever it may be. Um, But yet you're going to, you know, you're going through a traditional process to to study that thing that really is a a mold breaker in a lot of senses. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you say to somebody who asks you, um, you know, why are you even studying entrepreneurship? What, what value does, you know, a traditional university setting give to somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's definitely an interesting question, kind of an interesting major in itself. So my biggest takeaway from it is the skill sets I've gotten through this major. So I feel like even in, let's say you go, not everyone who's majoring entrepreneurship is going to own a business or start a business right out of school. So I feel like you can really apply the skills of identifying opportunities, um, innovating, you know, that creative thinking that is really important for entrepreneurs into a uh, traditional like corporate setting. So kind of being an entrepreneur, um, even for my like capstone class right now, my professor is actually part of a team of really entrepreneurial people. Other than this role, he hasn't really ever worked for anyone in his career at Optum that are kind of working together on different projects. So I think it's a skill set that's really relevant nowadays just because there's so much disruption all over the place with how technology has advanced. So I think it's something that companies are interested in and something that having those skills early on can definitely provide value, whether you go into business for yourself or for like a traditional corporation. Sure. So uh, a point that I find interesting um, and one that you mentioned on Andrew and Declan's podcast, The Back Pocket, said it last time, I'll say it again, you know, their, their network of guests, like people like you, um, are, are really all-encompassing and, and really great. So I'm fortunate to have them um, as sort of mentors in the space. Yeah, but awesome. you had mentioned that, you know, even doing an interview with them, and they're two very laid back and cool guys, that interviewing sort of isn't your style. And then I, you know, I heard that because listening to that interview you did with them in preparation for this. And I thought, wow, that's interesting because you reached out to me about being on the podcast, which I love. I love, you know, especially when someone who's a student, someone I can rate, relate a little bit easier with wants to, you know, do something like this. What was your reasoning? And this just might be for me, but what is your reasoning? Do you have, you know, reached out and, and wanting to be on a podcast, even when you admittedly said it wasn't really your, you know, forte to go on and, and talk in front of a microphone? Um, so a few reasons. Uh, one is definitely just the promotional aspect of it. So just, I think it's always good. It's a good experience too, to be able to kind of reflect on what you've done and talk about your company. I think too, listening to a podcast, people are get a much better sense of that company because you know they're it's it's not like the fifteen second clip on Instagram or the kind of short bursts of content. It's something that's a little longer. Other than that, I think too, well, I, I kind of said on their podcast, I think it's good to stretch yourself a little bit. So sure. this is a little bit of that for me. Um, those are probably the two main. Yeah, reasons. I mean that's great. Yeah. And obviously, then sort of the subsequent is you know you get promotion and you get, you know, and I've, I've, I found that it's just been a really good network builder. You know, yeah. now all of a sudden I, I know Scott Ballard, the, you know, the founder of Skyline Spec. So for whatever that means for me going forward, it's just a cool, you know, it's a cool networking piece to have. And it's a really good, just leverage point of like, you know, for me, when I'm reaching out to people like, Hey, maybe I just want to have a conversation with them. I just happen to put a mic in front of them and I can record it and put it out, but that's really whatever. It's more about that relationship thing. So I was just curious, just in the sense of, you know, you said that it wasn't your forte and then you reached out and yeah. like I said, I was glad that you did, but just found that a little interesting. So I, yeah, I should say, I should say too, um, I listened to Spencer's episode before I reached out. Sure. And then I, I don't remember his name, your friend that had the Twitter account and everything. Frank Google. So. Yes. The most yeah, recent episode. So. Yeah, just a, I was also a fan of the podcast, so that was, I appreciate yeah, that. Thank yeah. you so much, and that's you know that's I guess how I'm building it recently because I like I said I met with uh, Austin who by the time you guys are listening to this that will be out already, but he said you know the same thing I've been listening is you know it's something that you know you 
toss it on one and a half times speed and you just kind of, you know, get through them. And some of them are, some of them are more relevant to you. Like you said, you, you picked a couple that were probably a little bit more relevant to you versus other ones that, you know, might be more relevant to other people. So that's yeah, kind of the, definitely. that's kind of the whole reason. Um, diving back in though, a little bit to the, uh, to the, to the stuff on skyline. I was always curious why you chose first of all, to get into sunglasses. So, you know, I've interviewed people like Spencer, like Austin, who got into apparel, which I think, you know, one of the first questions I asked them was why apparel? It's super saturated. Right. Mm-hmm. And they had great answers. And obviously it's easy for them to look back at their success and say, well, I did this, this and this because they're at a point of success. You know, it seems like everybody and their mother has an apparel company. So yeah, you very know, true. the ones that we don't hear about that don't work out, it's probably a little harder to identify why, why they didn't. Um, you went a little bit, I would say it's in a similar, you know, a similar breadth of uh, apparel, but you went with sunglasses. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious why, you know, you chose to do that because yeah. I would say there's a lot more, you know, maybe not more negatives, but there's from the get go, there's just a lot of higher barriers that I think you have to overcome. So what sort of launched you into the the game of sunglasses versus apparel? Yeah. um, Well, honestly, well, I I had the pressure on because I need to come up with an idea for this class. So had to come up with something to sell for this class. Okay. And part two was Christmas was coming up. I got an ad for wooden sunglasses. I was like, oh, those are really cool. Like I want those for Christmas. Right. I didn't get, I didn't get them for Christmas. So that goes into the semester where I'm like, well, kind of the two ideas with two <laughs> crash, with one crash stone together. Yeah. Just get, yeah, get myself. Yeah. Prize, yeah. Okay. And then, sense. yeah, I kind of noticed the trend of um, this hometown pride, especially with Minnesota, you know, um, soda clothing and things like that, having a lot of success. So um, I kind of, yeah, put those two ideas together. It was quite the process to actually get the product done. We only were sure. selling it for maybe a month of our project but we ended up doing pretty well and um i mean it was a product i personally really enjoyed like i love wearing them myself and stuff so Uh yeah what was the what was the project structure like did you have to have a certain amount of product ready to go and sell or did you just have to have one prototype or one idea or, or how was that what was like the requirement of you to get a good grade in that project because obviously i'd assume you probably went far and away you know farther than a lot of other people at the project i'd assume mm-hmm. for most they probably just okay i did the project we're gonna be done but you continued on um whereas was it a requirement that you had to get x amount of inventory in or did you just kind of go above and beyond from the start um yeah so it the requirements are pretty um loose as far as you can do a, a lot of different things you have to so you whatever product you'd make you buy whatever service you offer you have to fund it yourself so that's part of the equation. Some sure. people don't want to put as much in. Some people want to put more in. Um, really, all it, all it, there were not too many guidelines other than create a brand. I think I think you were required to sell like two hundred dollars in re- of revenue or something. Okay. So people did all sorts of stuff. A lot of people end up doing like you know some sort of T-shirt brand or something that they can make fairly easily because it's not a huge time frame to do it. But no, we weren't required to have like a, um, like, M- like a MVP or a yeah, prototype sure. or anything like that. So, okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to know now fast forwarding through the class project into that point in that summer where you have a ton of inventory and you just have to sell it. Was it apparent to you right away that you were going to make this bigger than just what the class project was because you know even at the time when you decided to sell them through the summer you probably could have been just like you know i'm gonna get rid of what i have and be done with it what was the point where you're like okay this is actually a business this is something that i actually want to pursue more so than just a, a project that you had to do um i would say more like probably late t- 2017 so that would have been spring 2016 was when i did the project um that's when it became more of like an official business but I don't. I, I thought it had potential, definitely. But I also kind of looked at it as, I mean, I, probably how you look at doing this podcast and other things like that. As as a student, like I really have nothing to lose by really going after it. Um, so I was I was willing to take some take on some risk that not everyone might have the time or be able to when they're not in school. So I I just kind of saw it as okay, worst case scenario. I just keep doing this throughout college and I'm getting a lot of experience. I'm able to apply what I'm like taking on in the classroom to uh, the real world through this business. And I'm making 
connections. So it, in one sense, it's obviously I want it to be successful and I did have high goals for it as a business in itself, but also in the, on the other hand, I'm able to, it's a lot easier to network and things like that when you have a project that you're passionate about and working on throughout. So sure. And yeah. I, and I've even talked with other guests. I think I talked with Spencer because he was a student here at Carlson where, you know, he started, he started late in his college career, great lakes clothing. Um, yeah. but he said his one regret was not starting it earlier just because as a student, you have that sort of safety net to where, you know, if you, if this entrepreneurial venture doesn't work out, you always have, you know, and I think we're both very lucky in the sense that we, we come from really great schools that have really good connections in the area to yeah, where, right. you know, if this side hustle, as a lot of people could see, it doesn't work out, then you can kind of default into what everybody else is doing anyway, which is go and get a, a job that pays 50, 60, 70 K right out of school, which is, I think a lot of times I know I take it for granted just in the sense of like, that's my default, which is kind of crazy to think. And I'm very fortunate for that. But yeah. it's a great point to where you sort of have this, you know, I don't want to call it a safety net because that seems like it's the, the lowest of the low options, but you know, it, it almost is that way when you go to such a great school. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a really fair point. I want to talk now. I noticed when you were talking about all the things that or all the benefits that you, you know, derived from skylines that you continue to do, um, you know, the, the networking opportunities, the sort of the resume booster. You didn't mention the money part of it. And, you know, we don't need to get ticky tacky with the finances. But um, what were some of the things that you were doing to really formalize it and make it a business? Because, you know, I think as you go farther and farther, um, Spencer was selling shirts out of his car. You know, that's how a lot of people start is just kind of slinging things from the side. Um, but obviously now you have, you know, a website and you, you have a lot of cool partnerships and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the steps that you were taking to, to formalize it after you decided to make it a business as it yeah. were? What, what were some of the things that you were, you know, doing right away? Yeah. So I'd say stage one, like some, uh, the, during the class summer after the class was just selling to people I knew my immediate network and then word of mouth, getting some sales through that. And then by the end of the summer that kind of dried up. And then I was, then that was when I had to really start to learn ways to market to people I didn't know, which is something more difficult to do. Um, social media has definitely been huge for us in doing that, especially on Instagram, um, running Facebook ads and things like that. I think it's just a great branding tool. And as we've went along, we've just, just started doing things a lot smarter than we were early on. Like sure. before it was like, Oh, we have a website, we have an account, but now it's like optimizing those things and really converting people through them. Um, huge step move, uh, getting off the ground too, was we started selling to stores. So they had our product, they were promoting our product, more awareness that way. Um, we also started doing custom orders for businesses. So one example is we have a, partnership with Bent Paddle. So up in Duluth, they have custom shades that are completely unique to them. Um, they're selling them in their store and they're sharing our story as well. So I think it's just finding, it was finding those different, different avenues and seeing what was working. Um, another huge step we took was we did a six month lease at MOA through Super Bowl. So that was a really good experience as far as branding ourselves there. Um, also a good experience for me in managing people and kind of just dealing with the mayhem that goes with retail, especially through Christmas, sure. Black Friday, all of that. So, yeah, I know that was one of the very interesting points I remember from Andrew and Deck's episode with you was your you know experience at Mall of America. Yeah, yeah. just a lot of the things you said of how crazy not only like just an, a typical mall is, but now you are in the the biggest mall in the entire country, and you said that you were going through the Super Bowl and you were mm -hmm. going through Christmas and all these major you know they get. A, just an absolutely ridiculous amount of foot traffic. So, yeah, yeah. uh, what was, what was that experience like working at a mall of America? You, were you, you know, were you working the kiosk by yourself? Were you managing other people? What was, uh, what were some things that stood out from that experience for you? Um, so it was me and we had six other employees working at the kiosk. I worked at myself quite a bit. I would say that if you want, if you're looking to get any kind of sales experience, basic training that, being thrown into a mall kiosk, especially at MOA, is some of the best sales training you'll ever get. Sure. Because people are going in there, they're they're flying by the kiosks. They're looking for, you know, they're going to the major brands as an unknown brand. You have to be really assertive and solid in your pitch and things to them. Um definitely one of the harder places 
to sell people just because of the foot speed, the traffic, things like that. But also I think it was a really good experience to be able to be the one who like really has lived the brand and be the one who built it and selling to in person over and over going over the same pitch, just kind of getting that ingrained. Um, so I, overall good learning experience. Right. Um, I prefer how we're doing it now with, you know, primarily e-commerce and working with some small stores, just staffing the mall at all hours. You know, someone can't come in, guess who has to go fill their shift, like scheduling. It's just a lot, especially while still doing school too. So sure. No, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. You sort of answered a question I was going to ask later, which was, you know, what's your preference between point of sales and, and e-commerce? Because I feel like, you know, the sort of the, the practical side of me is like, you know, when, when you're staring down a person, you really, you know, it's not like on the internet when they're kind of meandering through your sales funnel or they're, you know, clicking through your social accounts and you can't yeah. really grab them or, or see them tangibly, tangibly. But when you're right in front of them, it's like, I can make the difference between whether you buy my product or not, which is kind of a, an interesting power to have. Yeah. Um, so you said that you were basically pitching on the fly to people that were flying through Mall of America. What was the basis of you know your pitch on why they should even stop at your kiosk? Because you're right, they're probably not going to Mall of America to see the Skyline Specs kiosk at you know whatever location you were at. But you obviously had to get their attention somehow and you had to convince them to make a purchase somehow. So how were you doing that? Um, I think just sticking to our our why, starting with that like core idea of, you know, this is about connecting to, in this case, Minneapolis. We had people visiting from out of town, so it was a great souvenir to pick up to kind of show their connection to the city, especially during Super Bowl. So I think it was just sticking with that why and also kind of sharing our personal story. So um, explaining like how we started as a class project. Um, we're all students, just the more you can explain kind of the reasoning behind your brand and what you're doing, I think the better people respond to that versus, hey, we're selling sunglasses. And if you didn't notice, like this is Minneapolis on the side or sure. something like that. So yeah. so by whatever metric you want to measure it by, um, would you consider that experience a success? Because I'm always curious to see, you know, when you sort of go out of your comfort zone like that and you probably had expectations of what it was going to be like and what the outcome was going to be, would, would you consider it a success from a lot of standpoints or would that be something that you just kind of want to forget and, and push to the side? Um, looking back, I don't know if it was the best decision as far as how we used our resources, just because we've been able to um get similar results without having to you know staff a retail location like that but i would consider it an, a success and i, I don't want to say i don't want to forget about it just because i really did learn so much from that experience and i think overall it really put us in a position to kind of take the next step forward so um that's that's kind of how I look back on it. Sure. So a point that I think is really interesting when I'm sort of perusing the Skyline Specs website is obviously, you know, I have right here in my hands a, uh, a pair of Minneapolis branded sunglasses that Scott was nice enough to bring me. But you, like you said, bring or you you launch in, in other cities with different skylines, obviously. So the, the unique part is that the the custom burned skyline is, is different for whatever city you're in. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys are in a ton of cities right now. The, the, the major hitters, really, if you could think about them. Uh, how do you, what is the process of launching into a new city from the standpoint of identifying a city that you want to launch into? And the obvious ones are, are obvious, right? So you guys are in New York and LA and Chicago and Minneapolis and all those cities. But you know, now that you've gone through those heavy hitters, what are, what's the process of identifying a city of sort of testing out if, if that market is receptive to something like this and then, you know, going all out into selling successfully in that marketplace? Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's a science by any means, but, um, to start, we kind of just, we, we used, it's called Google trends to look at basically get an idea of what people were searching in regards to sunglasses and things like that. in these different cities also just picked some of the most popular ones once people are visiting. So we're thinking gift shops and things like that, but, um, kind of actually taking a step back kind of, I know like, uh, Declan and Andrew, their whole thing is kind of like focusing on their sandbox yeah. of Minneapolis right now. Fantastic. So I really like that idea too. I think it's, I think we tried to go into too many places at once to start, Okay. which we, we want our brand to represent this hometown connection all over the place. So whatever city you're from, 
But I think it's important to kind of, you know, build that audience in Minneapolis and then kind of spread out from there. So um, we've done a good job of that by doing events and things around Minneapolis. Um, influencer marketing has been really good for us. And I think we've also started to expand into Chicago doing similar things. So I'm hoping to schedule some events that we can uh, sell at in Chicago coming up. Um, we use we use some other Instagram accounts that are ours to kind of promote um, our different cities as well. So we have an account called Life of Chicago. Um, we, that's a huge asset in, as far as like promoting Skyline to Chicago. Also um, promoting so other businesses can advertise with us as well. So it's just kind of diversifying uh, where we're selling and how we're like how what our revenue stream is looking like from different places. Sure. And I think it's also a very interesting point to bring up that, you know, Skyline Specs is rooted and the logo is literally roots coming out of the bottom of a, of a city skyline. But mm -hmm. it's rooted in that idea that, you know, you're obviously authentically representing the city. And it's fair to, you know, that's hard to do if you're not from L.A. or New York or you don't have a great, you know, leverage point into Chicago that it almost seems inauthentic and it, it probably doesn't represent your brand the way you want it to if you're not able to authentically replicate that that sense and that pride that you have from Minneapolis say because that's yeah. that's where you're you're closest to. So I want to dive now headfirst into social media. It's the part that I often find myself spending a lot of time on with guests, especially guests like you who are younger and well versed and, and have a business that utilize the power of of social media and e commerce in a lot of different ways. The first thing I want to touch on is the fact that you guys have almost fourteen thousand followers on Instagram, on the Skyline Specs Instagram. Yeah. Walk me through the process because Skyline Specs is not that old. So it's not like a, one of those stories where you just started a long time ago and all of a sudden you have all these followers. It had to have happened at a pretty rapid clip. Um, can you walk me through the process of starting the account to now having almost 14K? Yeah. So I think it started with um, during the class, we had success advertising on our personal Instagram accounts. So I remember even after the class, I'm like, oh, should I even like create a business account? I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of dumb. Like obviously it was a different time. Yeah. different time. But yeah. So created the, um, skyline specs, Instagram account. I kind of, I, I knew that to, I've, I saw a lot of business accounts on Instagram and this was, this it was easier to get attention on Instagram back then than it is now, I think. Sure. Um, starting out. So I, I noticed a lot of business accounts were kind of drag and drop their product, um, you know, over and over. It's just, this is a, we're having this sale, we're doing this, we're doing this, and they're not really getting traction from doing that. So I really tried to make it about our why. So I tried to really feature different cities on our account, feature different photographers. Um, that helped build the account because they're tagging us because they want to be reposted. So I tried to have a good balance of the lifestyle of our brand with featuring other accounts to get these reposts. Um, that was huge and growing quickly. Also working with a lot of influencers to do some giveaways and things like that, who are, you know, maybe from the twin cities. I think we've done a giveaway with almost all the major accounts that represent Minneapolis. We did one with capture Minnesota. Um, we did a lot last summer. So I think that was the key in our growth. And then just trying to create a community of people that, are going to engage with our content together because obviously that's going to push it further along in the algorithm too. So I think that's the best way we've been able to grow. Yeah. And, and that really makes a lot of sense because looking at your feed, right, it's not that sort of monotonous product push that a lot of companies seem to be doing, like you said. And, you know, when I had my conversation with um, Austin Doomer of MB Outdoors, you know, he had a very similar philosophy, which is I want my distribution of, of timeline pictures to be, you know, landscape and people and then product is the other third. So it's not yeah, even exactly. a majority of the stuff that they're posting. And very similar to you, right? You're posting a lot about cities and a lot of just aesthetically pleasing things, which mm -hmm. obviously play well on Instagram. Are you trying to play more and maybe this answer has changed for you. Are you trying to play more now to the to the algorithm and, and getting your captions locked in and getting the hashtags locked in? Or are you just purely concerned about, you know, this looks cool and this represents our why and now I'm going to post it? Um, I would say I, I definitely am focused on picking content that's going to perform well. But I think too, I think the, the algorithm gets a lot of hate and I'm not sure all of it is deserved because I think it does do a pretty good job where... I'll have a video and I'm like, this is so cool. This is definitely 
going to go in some sense viral for Instagram. And then, you know, the, the algorithm pushes it to that. So I think, I think it can really help you as much as it, some people think all it is is out to hurt you, but it's keeping, it's keeping people on the platform longer, which um, is better for anyone who's trying to advertise on it. Sure. How do you see the, how have you seen your growth on Instagram? Like, translate over to the sales that you've received so obviously you have a ton of followers uh but i think the gripe that a lot of people have especially people that are a little bit more established in just any sales industry you know just selling any b2c product might say that there's no return on social media you know i can have as many followers as i want but that doesn't mean i'm going it's going to convert to sales have you seen a linear growth or a, a stable growth correlation between the two of them where you've gone up in followers and, and your sales have gone up as well? Or have you sort of still had to scratch and claw on the on the sales end? So I, I mean, in one sense, I think social media is really great for the kind of top of the funnel awareness, like brand awareness, things like that. But in our experience, I've definitely noticed it converting to sales. So we have a form on our website that people are filling out to say how they heard about us originally. I would say, I don't know how long we ran this for, but over 50% of the people had heard of us from Instagram eventually purchased something. Also, it's translated to um, when we do these events, people, so many people come up to me and are like, oh, I follow you on Instagram. You know, that starts the conversation. And then, you know, eventually they'll, maybe they'll be like, I've always wanted to try these sunglasses, like things like that. I love your feed. So I think it definitely... I, it plays a major role in our sales funnel. And I think it's more how you're utilizing social media. So I think if you're just constantly pushing by this, by this, by this, I mean, there's so much more interesting content on these platforms that no one's really going to listen to you. But if you're more trying to open a relationship to a community and your customer with your social media, that's where I think you'll really find a lot of success. Yeah. And it's that whole idea of providing value before you provide an ask and, you know, whatever entrepreneurial guru you know, says that and repeats it over and over again, there's some truth to the fact that you can't just be buy, buy, buy in, in somebody's yeah. feed. You have okay. to pr provide them with that value and have, you know, like you said, build that genuine relationship, which I think is really true. So I was going to break out this little tidbit of information that I found out about you, you know, like I did my great research, but you said it, that you have uh, the Life of Chicago account with 62,000 followers, mm -hmm. which obviously isn't, you know, and once you get to the Life of Chicago account, Skyline Specs is linked in the bio. But other than that, you know, there's probably not a real reason for somebody to correlate the two or, or link the two together that they're both run by you. Walk me through, because that one has 62,000 followers, which is far and away more than, you know, the, the 14 that you have on Skyline, which is very respectable still. But what was the process of, did you start that account? Did you buy that account and keep growing it? Um, and how do you see that play out in the dichotomy of Skyline specs? And, you know, how do you see those two things coexisting? Yeah. So, um, I bought it for Skyline specs. Okay. Um, I think it was around 50 K when I bought it. I'm not sure. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of separate from Skyline, kind of works together with it. So what I use it for is basically it's a great leveraging piece to I can do instead of paying to do giveaways with bigger accounts or shout outs and things like that. I already am one of the larger accounts. So now they'll go in on giveaways just to be involved with the Chicago account. But then Skyline's also a part of that as well. So it's kind of just cross crossing over between these different platforms. Um, Basically, we've grown a number of accounts like this too. So we have an account called uh, Soda Stories that is at almost 11K. So it's kind of the same idea. Um, we have a Minneapolis account in Los Angeles, New York City. It's just an, another way to advertise. If we're not advertising for someone else, we advertise for ourselves. Um, it's crossing between all these different accounts and trading traffic, basically just kind of building up the attention Um that we can kind of utilize for our brand to get our message out there. Sure. So that's, that's my thought behind it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure, and you, and you don't have to tell me how much you've paid for any of these accounts, but would you consider yourself to have made the investment back on the money that you paid for the accounts to, you know, the value that you've derived in terms of sponsorship spots and selling for Skyline Specs? Yeah. Yeah. I've only, so I only bought the Chicago account and I think a lot of it is just, um, I think a lot of brands and pages like that on social media are pretty passive 
and that they're waiting for someone to ask them to advertise or they're they're waiting for followers to just show up at their doorstep but i kind of take a more active approach so i'm commenting i'm liking things someone's you know messaging me i'm trying to start a conversation so i I think it's important to kind of look at you know not just how many followers you have but how do they engage with your content how do they spread the word about your stuff do they story your posts are they willing to help like promote you so that's kind of how i look at it so a little side note, you're saying we a lot in what you're talking about. Do you have a team? Are you are you doing this with other people? Just from the face of it and knowing what it takes to, you know, maintain some of these social media accounts and grow some of these social media accounts, it admittedly is a lot for one person. So is there somebody helping you with, with that part, with the Skyline Specs part? What are you what are you working yeah. with in terms of that? Yeah, so huge shout out to uh, Robbie Ware. He's our um, computer guy. He understands he coded our whole website he's creating a new website right now um he's in a full-time position and doing this on the side so he's been huge in helping grow the brand certainly shout out him then yeah 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 yeah, he needs a shout out um he doesn't do as much social media so that's okay i've been talking about that part but we also so we have a team that it's interns from st thomas um mostly underclassmen we kind of act like a club so my pitch to them is you know, you could join one of these clubs on campus, meet once every other week, you know, put a few hours in and you have a club on your resume, or we can kind of be our own club. I'll teach you everything I've done to grow this business, grow my Instagram accounts so far, and you can have an internship on your resume. You're learning how to grow this Soda Stories account, this Minneapolis account, like you would a brand. So you can pitch that to a brand if you're looking for an internship in the future. So really nice thing on your resume early on and limited commitment as far as time. And right now there's four working with me. So it really helps me as far as sure. Um, my timing with yeah, it. Yeah. That's so, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. What do you, what do you have them do mostly? Are, are they focusing a lot on the, the growing of the social accounts? Are they focusing more on the skyline specs e-commerce side of it? Or is it allowing for them? Do you allow for them to, to choose which one they want to focus on or how, how does that relationship work? Yeah. So I see it. I, I mean, kind of, I treat it like how I've treated Skyline. So I'm very willing to try different things and kind of just do it for the experience of trying it. So I tell them that's kind of how I want it set up. So as far as growing the accounts, um, most of them run, they, so they do the posting, all that type of stuff that I'm doing for the main account. They apply the same strategy for like the Soda Stories account, um, Lauren's done a great job growing that. And then she also is helping out now on the main account. So simple things like we find, you know, 10 people go through our follower list, just thank them for following us. Say like, we really appreciate you checking out our brand. If you have any questions, anything, want to see more of a particular photo or something like that, just let us know. So I think it's simple stuff like that, but stuff that really stands out because not everyone is doing those things, you know, kind of back to being active yeah. on there. So how long have you been doing this internship program? Um, since the beginning of this year. Have you found like the people, the interns uh, have, have you found that they've gotten a lot of value from it or have you had some turnover or how has that relationship been? Because the reason I ask, I'm, I'm certainly interested in, cause that's, I've never heard that done before just from yeah. a student's perspective, but I think that's a really good idea and there's a really clear value exchange for me in terms of what you're getting and, and what you're giving them. Um, I'm just curious to see if the, the giving part has really been received on, on their end. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely hope they're getting a lot sure, of value. Sure. 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 But, uh, um, we had two, two transfers from last semester, so they, they didn't continue, which is unfortunate, but also hard to, you know, meet when right. you're at a different school. So, um, the ones that have stayed around have done a great job and I definitely think that they can, so my thing is too, like, I, I do want them to have like concrete things to put on their resume out of doing this internship. So we, we had a speaker come in, we have speakers come in occasionally too. Um, basically we, our last speaker talked about, you know, website design, that's her full-time career. So how she's gone into that. So I want, I, I think it's, I think since it is geared towards freshmen and sophomore trying to get an early experience, I wanted it to be something that they can explore different avenues of business through. So basically kind of, you know, they might not have a, a company they're going to set up. That takes a while. That is an investment 
quite an investment, but right. through Skyline, they can explore those things, get the same experiences I was able to get as an underclassman, and then maybe apply it to starting something of their own or their future career. So that's that's the main value I've tried to give them out of the program. Sure. Yeah. And I'm, for, for what it's worth, I am going to give my personal seal of, seal of approval for this oh, program you. because <laughs> you listened to the, the Frank Kugel episode, right? And yeah, that gave yeah. a lot of good backstory into sort of how I got into a lot of this content type stuff. Um, and very similar to what you guys are doing with, with growing other accounts. But, you know, from the start of I Live for Football, you know, it was a similar role. You know, I was just doing it out of the goodness of my heart. And because there was a value exchange of, you know, I thought this was cool and I thought it would look good. And I, I've used that to leverage a lot of other, you know, opportunities, whether it be formal, you know, paying internships or whether yeah. it just be getting guests onto a podcast that, you know, something like that, that is, it, it's really just a, a spice in somebody's resume because you know Definitely. not everybody's going to have you know everybody's going to have a traditional internship and you can get an internship at the best company in Minneapolis however you want to qu- quantify that but you know it, it's all going to boil down to be about the same thing and you're going to be doing about the same thing but to have something to you know to show to somebody and I, I always found just the shock value of saying like look at this you know you know, soda photos or, you know, the life of Chicago account that I've grown and somebody sees that, you know, 60 K follower mark or somebody sees that 20 K follower. They're like, Oh wow. Like that's like a, you know, it's become a real tangible thing that you're like, Oh, that's a lot of followers and you Mm -hmm. helped grow that. And they're like, yeah. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like I said, I I give my personal seal of of approval to it just because I know how valuable it can be to leverage it. And you know, if these four are listening, leverage the, the heck out of it and make sure that you, put that on your resume make sure you talk about it and make sure that you reference it as much as you can because it's really, you know, not only an invaluable experience, but it's something that is super unique and that is probably going to help you get remembered when you're, you know, when it comes down to it and you're looking for a, a more traditional job and all these resumes look the same, that that's going to be the thing that that's going to help you stand out. So I think that's fantastic. And the reason we, we got down that rabbit hole a little bit just because I thought it was very interesting and yeah, that's, that's a very cool thing that, that you're doing. So I want to pivot now a little bit into you as an entrepreneur. So you are a student, which I think puts an interesting wrinkle into this whole thing because Skyline Specs, um, you know, is, is a pretty legitimate business. First, I want to talk about what your schedule looks like right now as a student and just, you know, how much you're working on school and how much you're working on Skyline and then what your plan is going forward because you're a senior. So your day of reckoning is sort of coming, right? Where yeah, you kind yeah. of have to decide what you're going to do after they let you out of the place. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe touch on a little bit of all of that and we can have a conversation on what it looks like, but start with, you know, what does your schedule look like now that you're still a student? Yeah. Um, I have a really interesting last semester schedule. So on Tuesday, Thursday, I have theology in the afternoon. And then Thursday night, I have my capstone entrepreneurship class. And that's it. So just two classes, two days. Um, The rest of the time, I'm putting a lot of time into Skyline. I also have started freelancing some of the social media stuff I do on the side. So that's where a majority of my time is going right now. So interesting. What's a freelance? What are you doing in terms of freelance? Like, what does that look like? Um. So it has to do with, um. So I manage an, an account. It's called Eco Garden Systems. Basically, they just want someone who's uh, savvy with growing on Instagram and things like that to kind of help, um, you know, push their brand forward on those platforms. So I'm doing that. Um. Starting, I'm, I'm going to be starting for another company coming up here too. So it's kind of balancing those two things. Yeah. Um. I personally, I just, I mean, I really like the social media side of things, but I also don't want to be a hundred percent. Everything I'm doing is for Skyline, and as far as in the kind of entrepreneurial world, I yeah. like being involved in some other things too. Sure. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that is for yourself? You want to diversify? Is it a, is a creative? Thing that you want to fulfill or is it more of like a, a proving it to yourself or somebody else because I'm in a very similar boat where I also do freelance and manage a couple other accounts outside of you know doing a podcast which wow don't make millions shocker um, <laughs> or you know outside of doing school and all that stuff yeah. which you know the freelance stuff is the stuff that really pays the bills um, but I always found that it was interesting even while it was while I was doing I live for football and while I was working on another account athlete nation that it was a way for me to almost prove to 
well, it's certainly a way for me to prove to others that there was a return on social media and that that there was a return on, you know, posting content and getting content out and doing the work that I was doing for them um, in terms of, you know, their, their sales and, you know, their bottom line, essentially. Yeah, uh, but it was also a way for me to justify myself that like, you know, I've had a really good setup in the past with some of these accounts that were really big when I joined on and I just helped them get bigger. But does that really you know, does that really say anything about who I am as a social media professional, right? Whatever that means. Yeah. So have, what, what have you found, like, what is the reasoning that you do this freelance stuff besides to pay the bills? Because I always think it's interesting that, you know, whether it's a creative thing or whether it's like a prove it thing, um, it's, it's different for everybody. So, so what, what is your reasoning for doing it? Um, kind of a few reasons. So I guess first is, you know, there's the product is me is my time. So, you know, there's, as far as getting clients and things like that, it's people I've connected through mainly through skyline specs. So there isn't, there's not, I don't know what it will turn into. Maybe it's, I start doing more of this. It becomes more of a business than freelancing, but it's more just, there's not like money being spent on ads. It's really simple right now. So it's a good way to kind of just pay myself on the side with skyline. I want to focus you know, I want to use the money I'm generating to grow the business more than pay myself because I don't necessarily need to right now as a student. So like, like you said, the day of reckoning is coming up. So that could change pretty quick here. But, um, as of right now, I'm kind of trying to set up a side thing that's sustainable. And personally, I just, I think it's fun to be involved in different things and have different, I don't want to be all in on skyline or think that's going to be, you know, the last thing I do I right. want to like have have experiences kind of applying what I've learned from Skyline into you know maybe a new field completely new sure. type of business I think that's exciting so so you alluded it to yourself a little bit but when you graduate what is what is your plan for the summer um and is that different than your plan for the years to come in in your professional career yeah well so we'll see um I mean I haven't really had a traditional corporate role so I, I, I'm not opposed to that at all. And I think my interest is definitely in digital marketing. Um, maybe specifically, I, I, I don't know if I'm that into social media, but I love what it has done for my business. And I think a lot of just good marketing in general, you know, branding yourself, um, writing copy, things of that nature are kind of baked into the social media. So I could see potentially doing that for a company. I also have a number of goals set out over the next few months that I'm just really focusing on trying to reach with Skyline and freelancing. So um, I'm not super into the job search yet, but I think it's something that I'll come back to. I think it's kind of a work in progress to decide what exactly I'm doing. Sure. So surprise. I think there's a lot of seniors in, in my shoes there as well, but um, I think it's, it's a good place to be. So it's definitely exciting. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. What are some of those goals just for reference? You don't have to share every single one. You don't have to go into excruciating detail, but just for, for reference for somebody that wants to get into starting their own business and to know sort of what marks or what milestones they should be aiming to attain. What are some of those things for, for Skyline that you're looking to achieve in, in the coming months? Um, well, one thing is the, the stores that we've gotten into. So Gathered Goods Company and Excelsior, um, Minnesota Makers and Robbinsdale. They have a store in Minneapolis now too. Um, stores like that. I think I like, I think it works well for our brand working with kind of those, you know, those local people who like have met me. They know my story. I know them. We're able to kind of help each other out selling our products. So um, I'd like to get, you know, maybe one more store a month is what my goal is. And then also add some of those clients I'm freelancing for. Um, we'll see how busy school gets once I get more into this semester. But um, those are those are the main things. I think, too, I mean, quarter one and um, w this winter, especially after two weeks ago or whatever, a week ago, right. aren't great for sunglasses in Minneapolis. So I think right now it's setting up those connections with stores, maybe even find another place like Ben Paddle um, to collaborate with. And then in the spring, really start putting more into we're doing a ton of events coming up once it's nice. And then also advertising more. Um, that's the plan moving forward. So I think it's taking those goals of, okay, I need one store. What do, what do I have to do to achieve that? I'm sending this many DMS a day. Um, you know, I think the be consistently working on it is 
where you get the best results. So yeah, fantastic. So closing, closing up here. Uh, one thing I like to do, or I find myself liking to do with a lot of guests, is letting them just give their two cents, something that maybe you you didn't get a chance to say at the end. Um, and I think it'd be interesting if you catered yours more towards the the student entrepreneur, um, you know, aspiring student entrepreneur. Something that you wish that you would have known. Obviously, now you're close to being done as a student. So I think that's some valuable insight. While you know you're you're close to being done, but you're also still a student right now. What would be something that you'd say to you know an, an incoming freshman or a current freshman or just any underclassman um, that also sort of has an entrepreneurial bug um, to to get them going a little bit? Um, one for sure. Just start. The earlier you start, the better. So freshman year, I had this business I pretty much never started it was it was going to be renting GoPros like I don't know if it was the best idea I don't know if I would have rented that many but you know I wish I would have just done it because I would have learned a lot I could have already applied to what I'm doing right now so just start don't overthink it um you don't have your company doesn't have to blow up and be you know you're you dropping out sophomore year or something like that like it can be something you're doing with a few extra hours on the side you don't have to put a ton of time into it for it to look really good um and leveraging into you know your next professional experience or something like that and then also i just kind of found that scaling a business is really hard in school like starting it is one thing but scaling it is a lot harder so be realistic with how much time you can put into things those are that's my two cents so great stuff yeah. all right so Scott, thank you so much for, for taking the time and for reaching out. Uh, yeah, there is some, some really great stuff in here, and I can't wait to uh, to chop it up and put it out. One last chance to plug where people can find Skyline Specs, where they can find you and uh, connect. I know you're, like you said, you're very active on social media, so mm-hmm. give a chance for people to, to reach out. Where can they find you? Yeah, on, on Instagram, um, at Skyline underscore Specs. Uh, we just got a bunch of new pop sockets that are pretty cool, so... If you want to mention this episode, I can send you one. Um, otherwise, LinkedIn is great. So those are probably the best two places. Awesome. Thanks. Well, we have our first sponsor. So mention this episode and get a free pop socket. That is a Scott That's Ballard right. guarantee. Scott, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Appreciate it, Tyler. And that is it for this episode. If you enjoyed, there is more to come. An episode of How They're Here releases every other Wednesday. In the meantime, check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook by searching How They're Here, or find me online at Tyler M. Webb to connect. If you want to hear more from us, make sure to rate and subscribe. It helps us stay in business. Thank you, as always, for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace.